This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Well, we've been talking about the fact that life is a journey, and as we progress through our life, we're going a certain direction. And we said that what's important is that we want to wind or be headed in the right direction so we wind up at the right destination. And so it's very important decisions and choices that we make and there are certain things in our life that we're talking about and teaching you that we have them in their proper place, that we make sure that we have the right things so that we can go the right direction so we can wind up at the right destination. You know, life is like, uh, some have said it's like a, a river and you're on this boat and your life is going down the river, but somewhere ahead there is a fall. There isn't a place where your boat no longer is on the river. It leaves the river. And we want to make sure that when our time comes that our life is through We've finished our race, or as Paul said, we've finished our course, that we wind up or that we are at the right place headed to the next right place in life or in our eternity. And we said that there's some principles about life that really are critical in helping us to make sure we are living our life in the right direction. We're not headed in a wrong direction. Now, I want to remind you, you know, each and every one of us, and we've talked about this, but I want to remind you again that your life is your responsibility. God's not going to make you do anything, and you cannot blame other people or circumstances for making you do certain things. No matter what we've been through, we still have a choice Listen to the testimony the other day of a lady. She and uh, her family were on a vacation. Um, She and her husband had two sons. They were on a vacation, and they went to this lake where they were taking this vacation. And the son, two sons and a husband got in a boat and and headed out from the dock. And the lady, she didn't want to go, so she was waving to him. And while she was waving to him, another boat hit him. Their boat exploded, and they were killed instantly. In a moment like that, she watched her whole life change. You know, as a mother and a wife, she was, you know, she looked at, when she had those two little kids, you know, and they were babies, and she was raising them, she was thinking of the future, that one day, you know, they would get married, and one day they'd have uh, perhaps sons themselves, at least they'd have children, and, and, uh, you know, some girls or boys, and, and she'd be a grandparent and all of that, and Denise and I have 12 grandchildren, dear God, help us. But they're wonderful. They are wonderful. And I've told my kids, you know, if I knew how great grandkids were, I'd have skipped the kids and gone direct to the grandkids. Because you get to give them back. But I listened to this lady talk about how that, you know, when it happened, her life, it was like somebody drove a truck through her life, through her, but she had to keep on going. She said the easiest thing would have been for her to have been in the boat and die with them. The hardest thing was to live with the memory of the picture of all three of her people that mattered the most in her life being snatched from her. She had to try to make sense out of it, and she couldn't. She had to find a reason to get up in the morning. She had to find a reason for her heart to beat another beat and to take another breath. She said each breath was... It was torment. The pain was unbearable. But you know what she said? If she chose, she found out she had to make a choice. And now she's got a, 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 a ministry to people that face things like her. And she said, I had, I realized I had to turn what was so horrible into something good or I could not go on living. You know what she was saying? I made a choice. 
Now, you may not be facing that, and thank God you're not, but I'm going to tell you what. No matter what we are facing, we still have the power, the ability to make a choice. We can choose how our life is going to be. We can be in the worst of circumstances and choose to be better. You know, you look at Joseph. There he was in the prison uh, by his brothers who were jealous of him. He winds up in prison and all of this and, and then false accusation, you know, from someone he was working for and all this. He's in prison and yet he chose to make something out of it. And he makes a statement later. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now listen, God doesn't do everything, but God will cause everything if we will trust him, if we will believe him, if we will choose. Just like that lady that lost her two sons and her husband, she chose and she said, I knew God could make something good out of this, but I had to make a choice. It could either be the end of her life and she could become a bitter example to a world and to other Christians that God is not faithful. Or she could become an example that yes, he is in spite of horrible things. And see, that's your choice. It's your choice. You say, but you don't know what I've been through. Listen, I don't know anybody that hasn't been through something. If you look at others and think they haven't, you're deceived. And we're gonna talk about something uh, briefly today and that is a term victim. And you see, if you let life, it will make you a victim. But if you let Jesus, he'll make you a victor. But in between those two, between a victim and a victor, is a choice made by you. Nobody else. Your husband can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for you. Your children, your mother, your father, your employers, your friends, your circumstances, they all come and they have their, you know, they bear their influences upon us. But at the end of the day, I make a choice as to whether I'm going to be a victim of life or a victor. All right, now, so we've been talking about living in the right direction. And I'm going to tell you what, if you'll grab a hold of the principles I'm teaching you, I'm giving you what the Bible says, and I'm also giving you as I've learned to walk out this word through a lot of years of walking with Jesus. I've been in ministry 42 years. Okay, now, no, no, no. But, okay, that's a while. I've learned a few things. Listen, if you're, even if you're dumb, you'll learn something after a while. So I want you to listen to me because if you'll apply these things, these are not just good little Sunday morning nuggets. These are principles to help you to take them, apply them, and make a life out of them. And we said the first thing, there's six principles I'm teaching you, and the first one was the right purpose. And that is your why. You gotta have the right why. You got see that lady, she had to find a new why. Her why was being a wife and a mother, but it was taken from her. She was no longer a wife and a mother. And she had to discover a new why. Okay, listen, my friend, don't, nobody else dictates your why in life. You determine it, all right? Number two, we said the second principle is your passion. That's your wow. Everybody say wow. I'm going to tell you what, you got to have a wow in your life or your life is going to go in the wrong direction. Because a wow gives you energy and strength and motivation to keep going. It'll give you that little push to get you over the hump. It'll help you break through the barriers. See, you can have a right why, but if you don't have a wow, you won't pursue the why. Okay? And today we're talking about the third one. And that th the third principle is the right people. Your who. Everybody say who. who. Say it out loud. Who. Say it twice real quick. Who. Oh, you sound like owls. All right, and you know owls are wise, so I enjoy speaking to wise people. Now, your people, the right people, you know, to a great degree, and you listen to me, and this is something you need, if you're older and have children, boy, you need to teach your children this. The people that you have in your life, to a great degree, define and direct 
your life. They define it. They define who you are, either bad or good. Let me read some scripture to you. First in Ephesians 5, verse 15, our theme scripture that we're basing this whole series off of says this, so be careful how you live. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. I want everybody to say, I'm not a fool. I am wise. Now, you know, everything in the Bible we take by faith. So sometimes we say those things by faith. Let me read some, another scripture to you. It's in 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. They'll put it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to it. Don't, verse 14 starts with, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness, how can goodness, somebody needs to say, that's me. How can goodness, I'm going to say it again. How can goodness, one of the things I'm going to talk about is your picture of who you are. Not today, that's one of the principles. And you got to sometimes take that by faith. Everybody say, I am good. Listen, because I do some bad things doesn't mean I'm a bad person unless I let that dictate my life. But that's the importance of people. Now listen to what God says here. Be careful who you team up with. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Okay, Paul establishes Two families in man. Those that belong to Christ and those that are of the family of the enemy. Of which we all were at one time. It's not, you weren't born into the family of God when you got born in this, because you're American or, you know, you come into, you're, you're born into a Christian family, it doesn't make you a Christian. But you are born into his family by the new birth, by faith in what Jesus did at the cross. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, because he said that, come out from them and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father, I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Okay, so God says, who we run with, who we choose to associate with, who we are bosom buddies with, or who we, they are our people, that's my people, that's my friends. He said that, to a great degree, determines his relationship with you. Hello? He said, if you'll separate yourselves from the unclean, from those who, who love ungodly things, who are going to do ungodly deeds, who have the wrong values, who have a value system of this world and not the value system of the Bible of God, they want nothing of God. If you choose to say, these are my friends, you've said, this is my family, and God says, I can't be your father. Are you listening? The Bible says bad company corrupts good manners. Did you know there's nowhere in the Bible that it says good company makes better bad company? Nowhere. The Bible in no place says that if a good person hangs around bad people, bad people are going to become good. The Bible does say if a good person hangs around the wrong people, the good person's going to become wrong. You cannot live with the ungodly and remain godly. You will eventually take up their attitudes, their values, their ways of life. And you who may have been walking with God will wind up walking another direction. We're talking about living your life in the right direction. And the right people are real key to that. Bible says, see, <clears throat> God created us as social creatures. He created us with a need for other people. The Bible says, it's not good. You remember God when he made Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I am so glad. I am so glad that I lay down 
in bed each night with her. Now, I've got to be out of town for a week uh, and uh, a conference, but uh, when I'm here, I'm going to be sleeping by myself in a hotel room for a week. But when I'm here, I love being with Denise. She is my best friend. She is a part of me. And so glad that God did not let us live alone. And Ed said, Amen. <laughs> Listen, we never rise to our best by ourselves. We need people in our life, but we need the right people. Now, let me tell you God's plan for mankind. And let's just make it even a little closer. God's plan for his people, for his people, is this. For us to walk together and work together in harmony, becoming more and accomplishing more than we ever could alone. See, I said, Denise and I have 12 grandchildren. I didn't get those by myself. It took us together. But together we were able to produce something. Everything good that has ever been accomplished in this world has been done by a group of people working together for a common purpose. Whether it's a husband and a wife, whether it's two friends, whether it's two brothers called the Wright brothers or, or whatever it may be, it takes people working together to get something done. And everything that has ever been done good always happened by a group of people. Nobody ever did anything of any value alone. Even our redemption was a partnership, a working together of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all, they three work together as one. Now listen to this. Our associations direct and shape our lives. Your life has been shaped by who you've been with. I'm not talking about who you met. I'm talking about who you associate with. You can go to church all you want. But if you contend, if you are determined to hang around wrong people, you will never live right. You can write that down. You're fooling yourself. Just coming to church and going through the motions that doesn't make us right. We've got to do certain things. We've got to make choices. And I'm going to tell you what, life always hinges on the hard choices. There are a few hinges that turn the door of your life. And they are a few hard decisions. And you could count them many times on one hand for a whole life that lives to be 100. On one hand, a few hard decisions that you either made or you refused to make. All right? And they are the dictation, the direction of our life. The right people help us become our very best. The wrong people help us become our very worst. Listen, there's things I've done in life, in my previous life. My life, I'm not talking about reincarnation. I'm talking about before I was born again. Before I was born again, there are things that I did that I am drastically, I would not even share. I don't even want to utter the words out of my mouth. And you know why I did those things? Because I was with the wrong people. And someone would say, why don't we do this? As it says in Proverbs, let's go do this. And before I knew it, I was in the midst of going to do that and doing things affected, could have affected my life, could have ended my life. But it was because of wrong associations. Our identity, listen to this, your identity takes on the character of those you associate with. You take on their attitudes. You take on their moods, their beliefs, their desires, their values. If I spend three minutes with you, I can know the kind of people you associate with. Because I'll see it in your face. I'll recognize it in your attitude, your demeanor, a lot of things about yourself. It will not just be a judge of who you are. It will be a judge of who you are with. Because we are never shaped alone. We are shaped by those who we choose to be with. 
You and I should choose to associate with people that we want to be like. People that you say, I aspire to that. She inspires me. He motivates me. Then that's who you should be around, not the one that drags you down or wants to talk about everybody and makes you go low. Let's look at this. Now listen, I want to talk to you for a moment about poisonous people. Everybody say poisonous people. All right, and we've all been around them. Hopefully you're not one. Now look at me. If you are one of these things I'm going to discuss, and at some time in the future we'll need to teach a little more about the characteristics of these poisonous people. But if you are one of these people, it is because you need to look at who you're hanging around. Because you didn't gain that. You weren't, that's not in your DNA. It's not in your DNA. It's in your associations. It's not in your genes that you wear. It's the people you wear. All right, poisonous people. Here's one, negative, negative. No matter what happens, no matter how good it is, it's gonna be bad. We all know some negative people. I mean, there's not anything positive gonna come out of their life. You get around them, they suck the air right out of the room. Something good can happen and it's like, they'll suck it out. They'll say, well, I'll tell you what, that's not gonna last. Everything's wrong. They're going to they're gonna find what's wrong. What's, they're gonna, everything's negative. If you know negative people, raise your hand. Somebody negative. All right, now don't look at your husband, but okay. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this, but those negative people you know, are they your friends? Because if they are, they're affecting you. Negative people are poisonous. Negative people are poisonous. They tell us that you receive, I forget how many, I'll just say it this way in a general way. The positive inputs you have into your life on a daily basis are outnumbered by the negative things approximately, probably anywhere from 100 to 1,000 to 1. Why would that be? Because there's a God of this world. The Bible says, Jesus said that Satan is the prince of this world. He's over this world. And that's why the Bible says, don't love the world. When it talks about don't love the world, I love the beauty of the earth. But he's talking about the world, a world system. The cosmos or the system that controls this world right now. See, the world's not redeemed. Okay, it will be when Jesus comes back, but it's not redeemed. And so because of the satanic dominion or the rulership of darkness over the world, there is a many more times inputs into you, influences of negative and very few positive. A lot of the positive you have to generate yourself. So... We don't need, because of that, we don't need negative people. Number two, downers. They're just down. You know, I mean, they cannot stay up. They're going to be down. They're always down. They're always got the blues. They're always, you know, unhappy. Number three, judges. People that are always judging you are judging others. And they are what the Bible says they are accusers. And what they may be saying may be true. Because you know, the enemy, when he accuses us, he uses truth. But the truth is not, or his truth he uses is not all the truth because it's truth minus the blood of Christ. And so judges don't usually, it's not so much that they lie about people, it is that they will find what's wrong, the flaw, and magnify it. Oh, look at her. Yeah, but, oh, she's so sweet. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what. Did you hear about that in her life? Did you know that she did so-and-so? Hey, that guy, man, I, I, he seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what. Here's what I've heard about him. 
And they're always judging everything about you and about others. Judges are poisonous. Because when we set ourselves up as a judge, we take over the seat of God. And the difference is God's full of mercy, but people are not. Takers, takers. In life, there are givers and takers. Takers, is all they do is exactly what it says. They pull from your life. At the end of the day, if they give you something, it's going to cost you more. They take from you. You see, relationships are a two-way street. They are never a one-way street. If someone in your life is always taking from you, they want something from you, and to maintain the relationship, you've got to be always catering to them, always complimenting them, or you've got to say what they want to hear, or you've got to give what they want or do what they want, all of that. That is a taker. And they will take everything you've got. They will use your life up. And when you have no more, they'll walk away to someone else. You need to be the one that walks away now. Takers. You don't need a taker. They're poisonous. Manipulators. Manipulators. They will connive and twist and work everything for what they want. You've all known manipulators. And if you have a manipulator in your life, it's witchcraft. A manipulator toys or plays in the same spirit as witchcraft where they begin to manipulate because Satan is the great manipulator. He will use and twist and do all kinds of things to get what he wants from you and to do, cause you to do certain things. Stay away from manipulators. If you have a manipulator in your life, you get away from them. Unforgiving people, they're poisonous. Unforgiving people are poisonous. Do you know that if you, don't, if you refuse to forgive, you can confess Jesus and do all that, but you can't make it to heaven? Because if you refuse to get, forgive, God can't forgive you. Jesus said that. I didn't. And so we have unforgiving people. How do you know them? All right? Someone did something to them or some people did something to them. Whenever things go against them, whenever they're hurt, whenever they're done wrong, they are never going to forget it. And listen, when people say, oh, I forgive, but I can't forget, that's not true. Because forgiving is forgetting. Are you listening to me? Because when God forgave, he forgot. Unforgiving people. And the last one, there's more, some more, but these are the main ones. The last one is victims, and I spoke about that earlier. People, what is a victim? Every, you know, this is just lie. I mean, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's the way it is for me. You know, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck. You know, uh, they're a victim. Always something, those people that, now listen, here's how you know a victim. A victim is this. You, I'll give you a victim if you don't mind me borrowing your dad because it's in your book. Denise's sister died. This man's daughter died. Denise, or Leanne, I think, calls him. Who called? called? Janice. He called right after she died. Okay, anyway. Anyway, on the phone, he's talking with Leanne right after Pam had died, just an hour after Pam died. And Pam has died, and he real quick says, well, I don't feel good, and I can't come to the wedding, to the, I mean to the funeral, because I just don't feel good. Now listen, what is he doing? Their victims make everything about them. It's about how life has treated them. It's about what their parents did or didn't do to them. It's about what someone that they loved did to them. It's about what their boss did to them. Are you listening? Everything's about them. Get away from victims. They are poisonous. All right? So those are poisonous people. Now, I want us to look for a moment here at reasons why we keep poisonous relationships in our life. Why do we do it? I did it for years as a pastor, as a minister. 
I kept poisonous relationships because I felt like, well, I'm supposed to. I'm a pastor. And I would go minister to people in the church. I would just go and spend time counseling and giving. And they'd call and I'd run over and do things for them in the middle of the night and do all this. And you know what? All they did was suck out, suck out, suck out, suck out and drain everything out. And they got me to the place. Now listen, please don't judge me. But I was laying in bed one night and I told Denise, I was so just, it was so sucking life. I I said, you know what's crazy? I said, I'm going to wind up hating the people I love because they were driving me to where I hated you. Because I began to view everybody like that and see they were sucking the very life out of me. I kept out of obligations or a sense of obligation a relationship with people. There was ministers that Denise and I would be around that, man, they just would suck everything out. You'd go sit down and Denise and I would be talking vision. And before you know it, man, well, yeah, we had a vision too. And here's what happened. This and that. You know, and we talk about, oh, our people, oh, yeah, but you just wait and see. You know, and after a while, Denise and I began to realize every time we get around those people, we need to go have a revival. We need to go back and build up. We have to start building ourselves up because they brought us down so low. You know what? Everybody that is at a lower level than you wants to pull you down to their level. And so we had to make some hard choices. And we separated ourselves from friends. There was people in the church that we said, no, we're not talking to you anymore. If you want to come and sit in the service and learn, that's fine. But I'm not spending a moment time with you anymore because you never do anything we say. You never take any counsel. All you do is drain. And you actually turn it against us. And so we made a decision. Why do we keep poisonous people in our lives? Here's one reason. We are friends no matter what. We're friends no matter what. And we, I don't desert my friends. You know, there's a sense where we all need to belong. Parents, hear me. Your children need a sense of belonging. And the first unit where they have to feel a belonging, that there is comfort, security, and safety, and there's a place of belonging, is in that family. If you're a single mom or a single dad, you still can provide that. Don't be so caught up. Don't be a victim to where your life is so wrapped up and I've got all these bills and you've got so much going on and it's all about you and the child sits there and grows up and they never belong. That's a ripe atmosphere for a child to get into a gang or around the wrong people. Because here's the sad thing. The wrong people prey on people. Right people don't tend to prey on people. Do you understand what I'm saying? She jumped off the bridge, so I will too. Kids will get into heroin, drugs, all kinds of uh, wrong things. They'll get into crime. They'll do all these things. How could a good child do that? Because they were with the wrong people. Listen, my friend, you better know the friends your children are around. But first, you need to have an example of the type of friends they should emulate by the friends you have. How can you tell your child, your daughter, not to hang around the wrong guys when, if you're a single mom and you're having the wrong guys come around the house? How can you as a single dad talk to your son about, or as a father, period, talk to your son about his friends and making sure if he sees you hanging around the wrong guys, saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things? You can't. Listen, every one of us, I've had friends, and friends are not for life unless they're the right friends. I don't want the wrong friend for life 
Because it's not their life that they're destroying, it's my life. And I'm not about to give it to them. Are you listening to me? Because you know what? There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus, I've decided he is my Savior and Lord, but he's also my friend, the Bible says. He said, I call you friends. And so I want to make sure that I do not uh, hurt him. I do not deny him by holding on to an earthly friend. Now listen to this. Here's the bad thing. You can never attract the right friends as long as you have the wrong friends. Ladies, listen to me. You'll never attract the right guy as long as you're with the wrong guy. Guys, you'll never attract the right woman as long as you're with the wrong woman. Well, she's just fun. You need to read the book of Proverbs. And it says, those that are like that, it says, don't you realize that every man that goes with her makes his bed in hell? Or she makes her bed in hell? Come on, guys. Lift up your standards. Get the right people. If you've got to get rid of all your friends, go for the right. You know, when I got saved uh, <clears throat> a long time ago, um, I was wrong, and so were all my friends. We were all doing and living the same way. And so, now, I didn't understand this, and I didn't know I needed to change friends. So, but God in his mercy gave me a boldness to, as soon as I got saved, I started preaching to them, telling them. I didn't know what I was preaching, because I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I just started telling them about what had happened in my life. Well, they said this. They said, oh, goodness, Vickers, you're on a religious kick now. Ah, you'll change. You'll change. But we're not going to fool with you, you know, until you do. And they said, we'll see you next week at the bar. Well, you know, they're still waiting. And their lives have gone nowhere. And they're still waiting. But you know what? God supernaturally, I didn't understand this. God supernaturally separated me from all of my friends to where that I had to get new friends. And the friends I got were, for me, for me, they were all the people in the church where I got saved, little Pentecostal church. They were all in that church. And so we just started getting some friends there. And guess what? They all had the same values we did. And they helped to pull me up to a better me. Okay, why do we keep poisonous relationships? Number one, we're friends for life. I never desert my friends. Number two, you have low self-esteem. See, if you have low self-esteem, you always go out and want to find people a little bit lower than you so it makes you feel better. A person with low self-esteem is intimidated by people that are more successful, seem to have it more together, Maybe more attractive or cooler or whatever you want to say, whatever your where your esteem issues are. When you have low self-esteem, which low self-esteem is rooted in a victim mentality and pride. Because you see, low self-esteem is it's about me. It's all about me. Okay? You can't have low self-esteem if it's not all about you. Because to have low self-esteem, you gotta, you gotta. Search out everything and you magnify your flaws. And you refuse to believe what God says about you. Why do we keep poisonous relationships? We're friends for life. We have low self-esteem. The third thing is we're addicted to needy people. I see that so much in the church. But I see it in life too, but in the church, not talking about this church necessarily, but churches. I see it where all of a sudden, you know, they want to make themselves feel better, to feel good. They have to attract needy people. So they're always superior. They're always fixing things for those people. They're always taking care of things for those people. It makes them feel needed. The final thing I want to say is that 
Why do we keep poisonous relationships? Because we're trapped in a life pattern. We're trapped in a life pattern. And listen, my friend, if you're in a life pattern like that, the only way you can break it is by a determined act of your will. It helps to have a good friend that will work with you. If you're, listen, if you're surrounded and you're by the wrong people, poisonous people, if those are your friends I've just named, if that's the majority of your friends, your associations, how do you get out of that? Well, obviously, you need help because if you could easily get out of it, you already would have. The reason you can't is because you're not strong enough in yourself to do it. And so when we're not strong enough, we need somebody to help us. And what I encourage you to do is find somebody that is a good, strong individual in character that you admire and you say, I'd like to be like that person. Then you come up to them and say, I'd like to get to know you. You say, well, I can't do that. Listen, if you were drowning in the middle of the ocean and I came by with a boat, would you say, I hate to raise my hand and bother him? Or I hate to inconvenience myself by having to put forth the effort. No, you would do whatever. Well, you need to see where you are. If you're surrounded by poisonous people, you're in the same situation because it's your life we're talking about. So you got to make some changes. Find a friend, find somebody and say, listen, I want you to help me and make me accountable. I need to break these relationships. I need to change. It takes courage to walk away from the wrong people. Now, real quickly, I want to talk to you about people, the right people that everyone needs in their life. You need to write these down. The people everyone needs in their life. Everybody needs these people in their life. Number one, the instigator. Instigator, what is that? An instigator is someone that pushes you to think and to dream. They get us out of our comfort zone. They pick our, pique our interest. They'll say something. All of a sudden, the juices start to flowing in us. It may be somebody we work with. It may be a friend. It may be a school, uh, someone at school. It may, whatever. But it's someone that suddenly, just when they say something. See, I love to get around ministers that are like that because all of a sudden, you know, they help me to dream bigger. And they help my vision. They, they, my vision expands when I'm around them. You need an instigator, someone that causes you to think. Listen, Christians are so bad at this about using their brain to think. They let their brain become a backyard full of weeds. All about, they're not good enough. I've got this problem. When is... Where am I, what am I going to do? Is there anybody going to love me? What is going to happen? I mean, their yard's full of weeds and they never take their brain to think and they let the world think and dream. And yet we ought to be the greatest thinkers and dreamers that there are. As a matter of fact, in the history of the church, there was a time when your greatest thinkers and dreamers were from the church, were believers. They wrote the great novels. They, they did the great things. Do you know that no country has ever, no country in the world ever needed a patent office until the Bible was in print in their native language? Why? Because once the word came there, all of a sudden they begin to think, begin to dream, and they begin to create things. We need an instigator. The Word of God is a great instigator. You get in there, it makes you dream about who you are, who you can be, what you can do, what God has done for you, how you can overcome everything, how you can be something. Number two, the second person we need in our life is a cheerleader. Someone that believes in you at all times. I'm married to a cheerleader, and I'm grateful for it. I feel sorry for guys that are married to one of the poisonous people My wife always believes in me. Denise believes in me when I can't believe in me. When I'm at the end and it seems like everything's going wrong, Denise believes in me. Now, I remember one time, some of you have heard the story. Some of you are virgins. You've never heard the stories. Uh, she 
We were sitting, and I was in, you know, down. I was letting everything, and I was listening to all these thoughts and stuff, and I was just down, and I'd given up on myself. Never give up on yourself. I'd given up on myself. And I was sitting there, and she came in, and she said, Steve, you can do it. If anybody can, you can. And she's doing all this. And I was vomiting all this negative stuff. Don't tell me all that stuff. I've tried, I've tried, I've tried. None of y'all ever been there. But anyway, open confession is, you know, honest confession is good for the soul. So anyway, I'm sitting in this chair. You're getting the picture. And it's a, one of those deep kind of chairs, you know. And I'm sitting there. And I'm seeking deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of my self-pity and this was back in the days when ladies cleaned their houses and had a broom. <clears throat> she came in the bedroom with a broom, which I thought was strange because we had carpet. No lie. She came in with a broom and all of a sudden, this sweet little wonderful woman goes like this. She drew back and whack. She hit me as hard as she could across the legs. I said, what in the world's wrong with you? And she drew back again. Well, I jumped up and she hit me again. Well, I ran because I didn't want to hit her. Yet. <laughs> and so here we are. I'm running around this little bedroom, our bed. And she's going around beating me with the broom. I ran out of the room. She chased me into the room. She beat me all over the house with that broom. And she, I said, quit it. She said, I'm not quitting until you change and begin to believe in yourself. That's a cheerleader. We'll give her a hand. Number three. See, sometimes cheerleaders don't sing your praises. They beat the stuffings out of you. (laughs) But they believe in you. The reason Denise did that is because she believed in me. And I've always told her, as long as I know, as long as Steve Vickers knows, that God and you believe in him, I don't think there's anything I can't do. But the moment I question that, I'm going to tell you what, I'm in trouble. (laughs) But anyway, she's a cheerleader. Number three, we need questioner. Questioner. Most people don't like this. The questioners, they always ask the hard questions. But you're never going to succeed in life unless unless you're willing to let someone ask you the hard questions. That's the importance of uh, people in our life, uh, of relationships and getting the right friends. You need people that will ask you questions, the hard questions about your walk with God. You need people to ask you hard questions. A guy needs other men that will ask him hard questions about his marriage and how he is with other women and what he looks at and allows himself to look at. And what he allows himself to listen to. You need somebody to ask you the hard questions about what you do with your money. You need somebody to ask you that. If you don't, if you don't, let me tell you. If you sat down with a banker, a good banker, and gave them, told them everything you've made and how you spent and all this. I guarantee they wouldn't say, oh, that's great. They're going to ask you some, and they'd say, where do you want to go in life? Where do you want to be? What are you doing to get there? You certainly aren't doing it on these books I look at. Why is it that you're spending your money like this? Why is it that you handle your money like this? Do you want to succeed financially? Well, I pray about it. Well, my friend, the old Christians used to have a statement that said, you got to put some legs on them prayers. I'm so tired of people, I just pray about it. I just pray about it. Well, let me tell you what. If all Jesus did was pray about it and didn't go to the cross, we'd still be lost. You know what? He prayed, but then he had to get up and go do what he had to do. You need to pray, but you got to get up and go do what you got to do. And you need some people in your life that will ask you, are you doing it? If you set a goal, you need to have somebody asking you. You know, on the staff here, I let all the department heads set their goals, their budgets, everything. They determine them. I don't dictate that. But we go over them, and i got to make sure they all line up with our overall vision and goals. But you know what? All I do from then on, 
I make them accountable for the goals they set. And if they can't achieve their goals, I don't need them. Because what I found out is their goals are dreams, not a vision. I don't need daydreamers, I need visionaries. See? Because if we don't do that, we're never going to get anywhere. We're going to spend all of God's money and never do anything. Is anybody with me? All right, I've got to get out of this. Okay. So we need an instigator, a cheerleader, a questioner. We need a taskmaster. Everybody needs a taskmaster. What is that? Someone that demands you do your best. You're better than this. Come on. I don't want that. You know, in today's society, it's so amazing. I heard some coaches speak. I was listening to a coaches group, and they said, the thing about the young people today is they want to be told how great they are. They don't want to hear what they've got to do. And they said, the trouble is they've got, they're in high school and they're told they're five-star athletes. They're all this great thing. And they said they come to us like they're superstars and they don't know much. They think they're Michael Jordan or they're LeBron James or they're, uh, you know, Michael Irvin, you know, already. And hey, man, they just, they just learned how to tie their shoes, basically. Yeah, they got some skills, but they think, and they said the trouble is society We give trophies to every little kid that competes, even if they lose every game. What we teach them, you don't have to try. You don't have, but you see, we don't want to be a taskmaster. Nobody, listen, where's the days? My generation was raised by taskmasters. Get your butt up out of bed, boy. Get out there. Get to work. Do something. I mean, you know, my dad didn't give an ounce of mercy in that. He demanded something. He told me, a man's got to work for a living. A man get out and does this. A man takes responsibility. A man does what he's supposed to do. Man, I thought, I don't want to become a man, you know. (laughs) But we need a taskmaster. We do, you do. If you don't have one, listen, ladies, if you're a single mom, I know how... I mean, no, I don't know. Boy, that's funny. I know how you feel. I haven't got a clue. I don't know how a woman feels. I've been married a gazillion years, and I still can't figure a woman out. I think I'm more confused now than I ever was. When I was young, I thought I knew girls. But anyway, so I don't know what a single mom feels like. I don't know. But I do know this. If all you do is make up for... The fact that he doesn't have a father or she doesn't have a father figure. And so you're going to overcompensate and you're going to tell them to love them and they're never guilty and they've never done anything wrong. And if they fail at school, it's because they got a bad teacher. If they, if they do something wrong at school, it's because that boy made them do something wrong. That they can do no wrong. Then I'm going to tell you what. You're raising a dangerous person worst and you're raising at best a failure because no matter how we want to make life that is not the way life is you don't get rewarded for doing nothing you do not get rewarded when you you cannot blame everybody for your mistakes I remember years ago I was working with a, uh, a single parent in the church and her son had gotten into all kinds of trouble, one after another, after another, after another. And so uh, I talked with a Christian counselor. He was a psychologist and uh, had a doctor's degree in, in psychology. And he and I were talking and I asked him, I told him about situation. And he said, real quick, he said, this boy has never learned the consequences of actions. And he said, that child has been covered and sheltered and protected and everybody else is, is blamed for his mistakes so, he can, so that he's protected. His ego and esteem is protected. But what has happened, he doesn't understand right and wrong and the consequences, the rewards of right and the consequences of wrong. And he said, until, he said, listen, If that child doesn't gain that, those are the children that wind up, grow up to be adults that pull out a gun and blow somebody's head off for a bracelet. 
or whatever it may be, or a cell phone. He said, because they see there is no wrong. We need people in our lives, and we need to be that for those that are responsible to us of being taskmasters, of demanding that we become our very best. Number, the next one, connector. We all need a connector. These are bridge builders to people and opportunities. There's a businessman, very wealthy businessman, that he and I have lunch every so often. He told me, he said, he said, I like to get with you because he said, you generate ideas. And he said, you make me think. And, and he said, but also, you've brought connections into my life. He said, you know what you are for me? He said, you're a friend, but you're a connector. And he said, through you, he said, every relationship I've been able to make has been profitable and good. And he's the one that we're working together about the issue I told you, the lady that her son I mean, two sons and husband were killed. She's formed a group and we're working, we're, we're putting some things together to help them to let their ministry get known all over Alabama. The next person you need in life is an example. Someone that is an example. A mentor, a teacher. We're forming small groups and uh, uh, in these small groups, I'm wanting mentoring to be a part of the DNA. To where that in the groups, Rick and Irma are heading up the groups for us, and in the groups, that in a small group relationship, because you can't have it in a service, you need it in a small group atmosphere. And so we want to form and help frame those things to where that people can have that mentoring, whether it's a group of guys going fishing, a group of ladies going Hunting, whatever it may be, I don't care, you know. A group of women want to ride motorcycles, a group of guys that want to go shopping, I don't care. <laughs> now you laugh, but what's the, but you know, I don't care. Whatever it may be, you know, it can be, but at the core of it, the leader understands I'm here to mentor. I'm an example and help. I'm going to ask hard questions. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to help develop these people and all of them and bring them up to their full potential. And the last person you need in our life is a savior. Someone who has the power to free you from all your sins and failures and who loves you enough to do so. And his name is Jesus. Everybody needs a savior because we've all sinned and come up short. The Bible says there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. But I want to close by this. There is, Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But he said this also, he said, I can't stay with you, but he said, I'm going to give you a comforter, a friend, someone that will stay with you forever. He will never leave you. And he spoke about the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He said, he will abide with you. The word abide means he'll make his home with you forever. And you know what I have found in the Holy Spirit? I have found him to be the best instigator. I found him to be the one who says, Steve, what about this? He has caused me to think and to dream. He's a cheerleader. When I've been down, yes, Denise is my cheerleader in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit is the one that's inside that cheers me on and gives me faith that I can make it. And he does ask the hard questions. I could tell you some experiences where he asked some questions that changed my life, changed the course of my Christian life, the Holy Spirit. And at times he's a taskmaster and he says, you can do better than this. When I'm at my lowest, he says, you're bigger than this. You're better than this. If I have a wrong attitude, if I do a wrong thing, I feel his check. I feel the grieving of him. And I hear him say, you're better than this. Everybody say, I'm better than this. He's a connector. He builds bridges. If I'll be sensitive to him, he'll connect me with people and the right people. Help me. And he presents Jesus to me, my example. 
because no one can show me Jesus except the Holy Spirit. And he reveals my Savior to me. The Holy Spirit. That's the wonder of the Holy Spirit. He's our greatest friend. He's our partner. He walks with us in this life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.